Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Trumbull, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Good. The sun is peeking through the clouds a little bit here, so it's actually starting to feel nice outside. Nice. feels weird that we're talking about the darkness of Clive Barker, then. It feels like it should be, like, rainy and, like, blood oh. rivers and... I mean, um... I don't want to be in Clive Barker's movies, you know? I don't <laughs> far <laughs> that's true that's true i feel the same way they kind of make me feel gross yeah a little bit yeah uh clive barker <laughs> well especially hellraiser uh makes me question uh any relationship i have with uh a sibling <laughs> of uh, someone i've dated or been with i'm kidding that was a bad joke but uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we're where just we're... talking about being offensive kurt you know what? We're, we've just decided this week's a write-off. We're just going to be as offensive as <laughs> No filters. But it's interesting because I was saying this uh, off-air, but like, I think horror fans are the most accepting out of any fan of movies. Mm, true. And like, you can say and do a lot and get away with it, within reason, I think. But um, yeah. Uh, cases in point, uh, Hellraiser pushed a lot of buttons. People still enjoy it. Uh, Hellraiser, interesting movie in that I feel like there are movies that are gorier, movies that cover more like taboo subjects, but this is also a movie that is very popular and you see it in a lot of like horror movies to watch from the 80s kind of lists and stuff like that. And that's not a gripe against it. I think it's it's a movie that still holds up. Uh, yes. And it's a movie that Again, you can probably go in the direction of more disturbing, more gorier, blah, blah, blah. But this is still, it, it, it's a very satisfying movie in a lot of levels in terms of being a movie to, that just works for what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you compare it to like Nightbreed, where, which we just watched, where it's like a little more incoherent. You're like, oh, Hellraiser makes sense. So thankful for this. <laughs> interesting because that was like 100% my experience I watched I had seen Hellraiser a long long time ago and kind of forgotten or not necessarily forgotten but just it wasn't as in my brain yeah and so I watched it and I mean my opinion of Hellraiser is probably not as favorable as most people's uh maybe we'll get into that a bit later but like watching Nightbreed right after actually really made me appreciate Hellraiser for what it is because totally. Nightbreed had yeah, I think I maybe even mentioned this last episode. Nightbreed has a, a million plot points and storylines, and it kind of tries to go all over the place and encapsulate it all into the movie. Whereas Hellraiser is has a much more bite-sized plot line. It's it's a, pretty straightforward with what's going on in this movie for the most part. I mean, obviously, maybe with some of the like the the characters, maybe like, like oh my god, the Cenobites is that what they're called? Cenobites, um, yeah. Uh, you don't always get as much like story maybe as around them as I would have liked because they seemed really cool. But yeah, other 
it's 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 pretty straightforward it's digestible you can understand it as you're watching it and i i really appreciate that now having watched nightbreed coming back to hellraiser totally. I, I think opinion of it has definitely uh gotten a bit higher because of some of the juxtaposition almost of the two well it's interesting too that like with uh, hellraiser it's so interesting that like pinhead the cenobites are like always front and center as like the villains of the movie but in this they're not particularly like they seem more as like a neutral force more than anything else and it was so interesting to watch this and be like cool can't wait for uh pinhead to kill some people and then you're like well he really just kills the um the brother like mm-hmm. that's and even then the brother wronged him it's not like you know, he's he was innocent or anything like that. So, and it was just interesting to go back and watch and be like, oh, yeah, remember when Pinhead wasn't a villain and he was just like a force that just came to like reclaim what was his? Yeah. They're like, they're like lawful evil in a way. They, they have their own rules yes. and, and things that they follow. So, if you don't break those rules, then they probably won't kill you. But if you do, then you're fucked. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the funniest misconception and stuff because when you. I, for horror, for people that aren't horror fans and on the outside and stuff, when you when you think about like the big baddies and stuff, it's like you know Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, and Pinhead always makes his way into there. But it's like he is a consequence. He is not. He is not yeah. like he is just doing what he is supposed to be doing. He is not out there just willy nilly killing teenagers here and there. He is he is a means to an end, and he is like you fucked with him. You brought him that box out. You you're fucking with his world. So of course he's gonna come and make you feel the pain because yeah. that is what he does. Like that is his nature. And uh, I mean everybody in this movie, uh, you know, uh, uh, Julia and uh, and and. And Larry and Frank and and Bill, they all bring it on themselves. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, to me, it kind of reminds me to use a video game analogy of like the cops in GTA. Like, you start mm-hmm. doing shit, they're gonna come <laughs> and come for you. You're fine. Yeah, you know. I mean, obviously, uh, a little more malicious the Cenobites, but uh, yeah. The really, official- I would think GTA cops sometimes you scratch their car and they're shooting at you already. So. So maybe there is an analogy there. Maybe maybe there are some similarities. Um, <laughs> but uh, the official summary of Hellraiser, a couple moves into an old house to find the man's brother and wife's former lover who has turned into an ugly beast. He now bids the woman to bring him human sacrifices to help him be whole again. Uh, great horror montage sequence of her bringing all those dudes back. Yeah. Fantastic. It's uh, you know, the the montage we needed and didn't think we deserved, but uh, mm-hmm. it it it's <laughs> sweetie so see her bringing all these dudes back and they're like, oh, are you ready to go to bed? She's like, oh yeah, just kills them. It's great. <laughs> Makes you really think about whether you should go on Tinder or not. Maybe you might uh, <laughs> get killed by a Frank type. Right. Yeah, we'll have to look up the stats for how often those dates end in sacrifice. Yeah. It's like, hey, can you just stand stand on this uh, like star over here? Like, this is a little questionable. Uh, <laughs> the fact that we're in a, a creepy attic room, like, no, it's not a big deal. No. This is just how I like it. Don't mind the man without any skin and his muscles are showing. He's just <laughs> decoration. He just likes to watch. <laughs> Would be funny to make like a fake 
Tinder profile and just make it like put like <laughs> images of Frank from this movie and just be like looking for human sacrifices. <laughs> Who's king? <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, uh, first time we watched this movie, uh, Taylor. When was the first time you watched Hellraiser? Oh, I watched it like a ages ago. I can't remember exactly when. It was. It's interesting because when I rewatched it for the podcast. It was so long ago, I couldn't quite... Like, I remembered this movie, but I forgot it was Hellraiser. Because I think, going back into it, I forgot that Pinhead wasn't as big of a, a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get to the scene where you see Frank in the, in the attic as, like, a half-deformed man. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's Hellraiser. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ages ago was the first time I saw it. Okay. Or, yeah. What about you, Steve? When was the first time you watched Hellraiser? I watch it and like probably in the early '90s as like a like part of a like a sleepover at a friend's place, and we just watched a bunch of horror films. Uh, and this one definitely fucked me up because uh, it's crazy because it, it, it's a low budget film, but then you look at the effects and then the and the gore effects and everything, you're like, holy shit, that look, stuff looks brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say that it, it has to come from. Uh, who shot it? Oh, a Robin Vigeon, uh, who did this one. He also did uh, Nightbreed as well. He shot that one, um, and um, he also did Parents with uh, Randy Quaid, which is just like a brilliantly aesthetic filled movie about uh, this kid's parents who eat people. It's fucking brilliant. We should do it on the show at some point because it's so great. I mean, um, Hellraiser is aged pretty well. Randy Quaid is aged terribly. terribly. Terribly, terribly. but good luck on your run for governor you fucking nut i think he's Uh, like literally a tinfoil hat wearing dude these days absolutely is like him and heavy me and heavy (laughs) we could probably Um, get him on to talk about it if you want steve i mean sure let's do it let's do it sure his representatives also known as a stock of celery would be game for it i honestly i would just end up asking him questions about quick change for the whole episode to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but the one thing that I have to, and, and I didn't get to bring it up about Nightbreed, um, mm. is um, this film, both films are so rich with a great orchestral score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Nightbreed was done by Danny Elfman, so it's got those really great Elfman moments throughout it. And there is even an Oingo Boingo song in there too, which is just... I mean, just makes my heart sing whenever I like the score is one of the greatest parts about Nightbreed. I didn't get to bring that up, but this one, the score was done by Christopher Young, and it's so gothically heavy and yeah. and baroque, and like it just it it drives uh, just the the um, the darkness and the evil of this story, and even uh, hell, uh, even Pinhead's uh, theme that kind of shows up every time that he shows up. Oh, I, I just love it. I, I love the scores of these movies. I I feel like they're they're very underrated in that sense, and nobody brings them up anymore. Uh, and it's really cool that in that in the in search of darkness really made a focus on the Hellraiser scores. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I mean they they should be paid attention to much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, gosh, first time I watched this, I would have been pretty young. I. Here's the thing. So I watched the third film uh, on TV and it was like a TV. It was on, it was one of those like edited for TV kind of situations where like it's clearly not 
like the same movie, but like it was funny because I watched it with my parents and they didn't even they hadn't seen Hellraiser one or two, and so they were like, "Yeah, you want to go rent Hellraiser one and two? Sure, go ahead. This one was fine." Not realizing that it was just edited for TV, so I went, <laughs> went and rented the first two Hellraisers and watched them both back to back, and was like, "Yeah, okay, these are great." So, I think though, <laughs> looking back, I wonder how many kids got tricked by that whole like edited for TV thing. Like you watch like one movie in a franchise on TV, and you think, "Oh, the others must be fine," and you watch them, you realize like, no, they were <laughs> they were like definitely edited down to like be more tame for kids. So, yeah. Probably still not even recommended for kids to watch on TV anyways, but... Uh, no. who's that was gonna... a different era. Yeah, you could... Think of think of where we'd be if we didn't get to watch things way too young. So, um, so yeah, that was that was it. I, I, I think I must have been like probably around like 8 or 10 or something like that. <laughs> oh, like, that was a fucking weird time. I think, <laughs> I think the thing is, too, is like... I just remember watching the movie and like, uh, I, I like the sex stuff went right over my head, but like the, um, the, the blood stuff, like I just remember in the, in this movie, the first movie, when you, uh, when, uh, you, you see him, uh, or, uh, Frank and ripped apart and he says, Jesus wept. And, uh, mm-hmm. at the time, like my family took us out to church and then, uh, I had got called up as like, to like every so often they would like do this youth group thing with like a bunch of like kids Sunday school or whatever. And they were like, uh, Kurt, we need you to cite a passage from the Bible. And I couldn't remember any, but I remembered Jesus wept from the razor. So I go up and like, do you remember any passage from the Bible? I said, Jesus wept. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> I said, no razor. <laughs> um, that's perfect. He did at some point, right? That's got to be in there. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, it's got to be a passage from the Bible. I mean, if it's not, I'm putting it in. I'm going to make a new edition of the Bible. Just <laughs> put in there, Jesus wept on one page. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the pastor was like, I, I don't know how, how Razor applies to this, but okay. And I think he tried to salvage it, but it was it, it was it was a lost cause. There, you know. So yeah, next time you go to church, just say, "Hey, you know what, guys? Jesus wept," and they'll be like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? They literally will be like, "What? What? What?" Okay. Um. All right. We have one email. Uh, Francine says, "I've never Only seen one." Yeah. Well, wow. here's the thing. There was more, but they were all the same question, pretty much. Which was, oh, okay. "What do you think of the sequels?" bunch of them were like what do you think of part two and then a bunch of them were like what do you think of part three and then there was a bunch that were like what do you think of the sequel so i just Mm. chose one which encompasses all of them so yeah francis says i've never seen any of the sequels do you any that you recommend um i think i've mentioned hellbound is probably i think the Mm -hmm. best sequel to hellraiser i don't mind hell on earth either the third one uh it's not great I don't mind it though. But I think it's where you start to see Pinhead and them being villains more so than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. They act more on their own rather than being summoned yeah. at that point. Um, Bloodline has its moments that I enjoy. And um, I would also mention Inferno because Inferno is like a detective film noir with Craig Sheffer. Mm. Um, and uh, it's also Scott Derrickson's very first film. Um, I think he would, I think he was removed in post-production. So I, I think it kind of got the Alan Smithy, 
um, treatment after that one, but uh, a lot of people think that Exorcism as Emily Rose is the first Derrickson one, but it's not. It's Inferno. Um, and there's things about that one I don't uh, that I don't mind. There was one that Cinebite went through the the internet. Mm. Was it Hellraiser Cyberworld or something like that? <laughs> there's shit or Hellworld or something. There's there's something that that it loses its tether i think after three yeah i think you could easily watch one through three and be fine and even three is like not great but it's still miles better than the rest of the franchise after that in my opinion um the worst one has to be hellraiser revelations (laughs) because that's the last one i think so yeah that was the one without doug bradley they put in oh yeah steven smith collins uh, I got sent a. Did I, I think I watched that for a review, and I just remember being like, "Cool, Doug Bradley, he'll do it up." And then you realize, no, it's some other dude, and he definitely doesn't look like Pinhead at all. And it was just very jarring and just not cool at all. And there's one after that called Judgment from 2018. Oh, that was probably the one I watched for a review. Yeah, but, Revelations was 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Revelations is still not good. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that Doug Bradley doesn't do this anymore, but at the same time, too, I think they should have just stopped. Like, you can't mm-hmm. recast that. There's no one that does it as well as he does. So, but, um, no, two, two is interesting in that, like, it, it feels almost like a totally different movie. Um, it's less coherent, and I think that's its biggest problem. It doesn't feel largely like it's as well put together as a movie, but it's it's more visually interesting. There's a little more world building, and I think there's just more horror, kind of like like effective horror in it. That's why, to me, Hellraiser 2 is the better film, even mm-hmm. though I think you need to see the first Hellraiser.